0: Welcome to Bank of Singapore's Outlook in 5, the definitive guide for investors to stay ahead. Hi, this is Jean, CIO at Bank of Singapore. In my first post-pandemic visit to Shanghai after several years, I was impressed by how digitalized the city had become. From dining, transport to financial services, from social media to communication, I was among digital natives. Electric vehicles ploughed the streets, so the city was quieter and the air cleaner than how I remembered it. Over the past few years, even the most ardent China bulls have had their conviction dented by the unrelenting economic and market impact of China's strict COVID-19 measures, geopolitical risks, domestic regulatory uncertainties that have struck the real estate, internet platform, education and most recently, healthcare sectors. The ailing real estate sector and credit defaults by high-profile Chinese developers further eroded confidence in China credit. Lately, investors now question if China's post-pandemic recovery has lost momentum amid deflationary signs. Optimism from China's strong 2.2% first quarter growth has faded as Q2 GDP only rose 0.8% percent q on q and leading economic indicators for the current quarter remain weak. This has weighed on China's equity market sentiment and performance. The bond market has also been hit again by renewed credit events linked to a large Chinese developer and a major trust company, reigniting fears of contagion from the property sector to financial markets. Such setbacks have prompted investors to ask if the risks related to investing in China are worth the potential reward. In today's podcast, I will address the question, Who needs China in their portfolio anyway? By going back to first principles, I will discuss the key reasons for investing in China, what's holding investors back, and what could change in the coming months. One key reason for investing in China is to gain economic exposure to this vast economy. China is the second largest economy in the world and still one of its fastest growing. Following the end of the pandemic, Asia will regain its place as the world's economic engine with China's GDP growth at 5.4% this year. This positive growth backdrop contrasts to US, UK and Eurozone, which will suffer the economic drags from tight monetary policy to combat inflation. Another key reason for allocating investment to China and Asia more broadly is to diversify from the slowing growth of developed Western economies. As a significant contributor to the global emerging markets economy, China's index weight on benchmark indices is significant for both equity and fixed income investors. Such indices are typically used as benchmarks by global fund managers. China figures significantly on EM, equity and fixed income indices, although this weight has declined in recent years. Notably, some global indices which exclude China have been introduced for investors who prefer to invest in China via standalone portfolios instead. Secondly, investing in China does give us access to fast-growing sectors and companies. Besides access to a vast hinterland of industrial development and consumption growth, China is home to some of the largest companies and sectors on a scale that is second to none. Besides large state-owned enterprises and conglomerates, we have witnessed the growth of internet platforms, EV companies, and providers of leading technologies over the past decade. However, challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic and US-China geopolitics have led investors to question if China's pivotal role in global supply chains is at risk as companies implement onshoring or near-shoring measures to improve resilience of their own businesses. One of the fastest-growing sectors today is electric vehicles, as major countries aim to decarbonize their transport systems. Besides being the world's largest EV car market with over 60% of sales, China also produces more than half of the EVs and between 60 to 90% of global battery and upstream materials. Other growth areas include industrial robotics and renewable energy technologies, which also benefit from government policy and support. Despite these strong fundamental reasons for investing in China, it's justified to remain very cautious amid the current backdrop of geopolitics and domestic economic uncertainties. However, We don't believe in throwing the proverbial baby out with the bathwater due to near-term uncertainties. As investors, we should also avoid recency bias, which is the tendency to believe an underperforming market will continue to do so. Instead, we stay invested in China by being highly selective and diversified, watchful of both potential tail risks and upside catalysts. We believe investors will invest in China when the price is right. Although valuations for Chinese equities are below historical averages, investors seeking risk-adjusted returns are cautious about the risk premium associated with U.S.-China geopolitics and domestic economic concerns. Hence, the Chinese equities market will stay range-bound until investors are convinced that more coordinated measures, whether monetary, fiscal or industrial policies, are being rolled out to revive the economy. With three of China's four growth drivers, consumption, investment and exports under pressure, the most likely actor to revive demand in the economy is the government. Expectations of policy stimulus to mitigate the downside risk of an ailing real estate sector and stimulus for the domestic economy are keeping investors engaged in this market. We don't expect a massive shock and awe stimulus, hence the effects of the targeted and incremental macro measures being rolled out may not have the immediate expansionary effect for China's economy. Chinese government has also already started the ball rolling across a wide slew of targeted policy measures. On the back of lackluster July macro data, the People's Bank of China, PBOC, has cut the Medium-Term Lending Facility, or MLF, and seven-day reverse repo rates on 15th of August. For capital markets, the government announced that stamp duty for stock trading will be halved, along with policy changes for IPOs and margin trading. Over the past week, China has also introduced a series of demand-side policy easing measures to boost the real estate market. PBOC guided banks to lower interest rates on existing mortgages, effective 25th of September. To offset the drag on net interest margins for banks, deposit rates for large banks were also reduced. In some top-tier cities, the new housing easing measure, which is dai," effectively reduces down payment requirements for some buyers. PBOC's new governor, Pan Gongsheng, said the central bank would help property developers to fulfill reasonable financing demands. Provincial governments are allowed to raise new funding to help local government financing vehicle refinance debts. On Friday, 1st of September, PBOC announced it would cut the reserve requirement ratio for onshore FX deposits from 6% to 4% to increase FX liquidity onshore and slow RMB depreciation. Looking ahead, we can expect the Chinese government to focus on making China grow again through macroprudential measures such as fiscal policy and monetary easing. Comprehensive action is needed to address the real estate issues and revive confidence. Demand side measures will need to be supplemented by supply side measures to ease concerns of investors and existing home buyers. In the final tally, We believe the investment case for China remains intact, but investing in China requires a more calibrated approach as diversification is key. In equities, we advocate investing through sectors in quality defensive plays, such as China telcos and Hong Kong international banks. We also favor policy beneficiaries, such as new energy vehicle supply chain players and companies with strong business models. In fixed income, we remain cautious on property developers as the lengthy restructuring process ensues, as well as selected issuers, such as state asset management firms, that may be called upon to support the troubled property sector. The overall China market sentiment will remain weak until investors see decisive policy action to address the credit issues. Are there structural challenges for China? Absolutely. Demographics, a maturing economy, deglobalization, all pose challenges for China but such trends are part of a long-term economic cycle. We urge investors to take a clear-eyed approach and balance analysis of the risks and opportunities for China to best calibrate investment in this important piece of the global economic puzzle. Thanks for listening in and do follow Bank of Singapore on Spotify for our regular podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Bank of Singapore.